Chapter 32 of The Grey Man. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeremiah Sutherland, Victoria, British Columbia. The Grey Man by S. R. Crockett. Chapter 32 Greek Meets Greek. Then, as I journeyed south, I saw my work set out like a perspective before me. As the minister had said, the treasure of Kelwood and the death of my master hung by one string. The house of the Red Moss was very near to the sand hills of air, and there could be little doubt that the hand which had sped the bloody dagger was the hand that had brought my master to his death. As the drawbridge clanged down for me to ride once more within the house of Culain, and lazy Gibb stretched himself to cry that all was well, I took a resolve. It was to tell Helen Kennedy all that I knew, and ask her judgment upon it, though I have small notion, for ordinary, of women's discretion. So when the greetings were said I took my opportunity, and came to her when she was walking in the garden apart, where the apple-trees grow. When she had heard all, she said, Launce, you and I must ride to Auchendrain. Well, said I, and what then? Shall we bid grieve Alison have our coffins in readiness against our return feet first? We shall see my sister Marjorie, she said, without heeding my words, and take counsel with her. They will not kill us within the house of Auchendrain while she is alive. I believe not that we shall even have the chance of speech with her, I replied, but we may at least go and see. Whether we ever win back to Culain is another matter. But Nell was mainly set on it, and I did not counter her, it being so that I was to ride in her company, for indeed I myself greatly desired to see the famous tower where dwelled a man so potent and so evil. The next day it happened that I went to Maybole and found mine ancient friend Robert Muir, dominie and session clerk of the town. He sat gloomily in his school and bowed his head on his hands, for he had never looked up nor taken pleasure in life since they laid my master in the burying place of his folk within the kirkyard of Maybole. The school hummed about him, but he took little heed. His old alertness seemed quite gone from him, and when I came in he only lifted his head a moment and nodded, falling back again at once into his new melancholy. His pipes lay beside him indeed, but so long as I was there I did not see him recreate himself upon them, as had been his ordinary wont, playing pibrochs for his scholar's delectation at every pause in the day's occupations. Dominie, said I, there is one thing I want. Say on, said he briefly, not looking at me. I want speech with William Dalrymple, the lad that carried the letter to Auchendrain the day before my lord's death. Of what good is the like of that, said he? Will all the speech in the world bring back him that's gain? No, said I, going nearer to him and speaking under my breath, but it may help us to his murderer. Eh, what, said the master, sitting up as gleg as a cat at a mouse-hole? His murderer, said ye. Are not Thomas of Drummurky and Muir of Cloncaird his declared murderers? Ay, said I, exactly, his declared murderers. Speak either less or mere. Let us hae done with parables, quoth the dominie. What think ye, said I, of the grey man that stood behind and waved them on like a pilot guiding a ship into a port? I mean the man that threw the dagger into the red house. I mean the man that let loose the scum of the tollbooth on us of Cassillis the day of clear the causeway. And who might he be, said the dominie, breaking in upon me, for some of these things he was not acquainted with. First bring in the laddie, said I. So dominie Muir brought Dalrymple into a private place, and having dismissed the school, we proceeded faithfully to examine him. 
I asked him to tell me all that had befallen that fateful day, from the time I had seen him run up the Kirk Vennel, to the time when he came to me again upon the green at my play, and making a poor hand of it with another man's clubs. The boy began his tale well enough, like one that says a well-learned lesson, but in the very midst, when, somewhat severely, I bade him say over again what he had already said, he broke out into a passion of weeping and begging us to have mercy upon him, for that he was but a laddie, and had been commanded, upon pain of his death, to tell the tale which he had told us at the first. So we bade him to speak freely, to tell no lie any more, and all would yet be well. So he told us how he had gone fleetfoot to Auchendrain, and had there found John Muir, the master thereof, sitting in the great chamber with Walter of Cloncaird. He described how that he had given the letter into the laird's hands, even as he had been bidden. When Muir read it, he handed it over to Cloncaird. But he, swearing that he was not gleg at the parson work, bade Auchendrain to read it aloud for him. Which, when he did, they looked long and strangely at one another. And at last John Muir said, I should not wonder, Cloncaird, but something might come out of this. Then the boy told how they had gripped him, set a naked dagger to his throat, and afterwards made him swear to take the letter back to them that sent him, saying that he had gone to Auchendrain, but had returned without seeing the laird. Say, said Muir, that the servant bade you take back the letter unopened, because that his master was afield, and he knew not when he would be home. So concluded the boy, even thus I did. And this is all the truth, or may God strike me dead. The dominie and I looked at each other in our turns. The grey man himself, said I. The black deal himself, said he. We will exorcise him, black or grey, cried the dominie. I am going direct to the baileys and elders to tell them that this school has vacation, till it pleases me to take it up again. So he went out, and I waited alone with the boy William Dalrymple, whose rosy and innocent face was all be blubbered with weeping. I slapped him on the shoulder and bade him take heart, because he had found friends. Then I also told him that on the morrow he must come with me to the Earl of Cassillis, and by and by it might be to the king himself. Will the dominie come too? the boy asked very anxiously. So when I told him that he would, he seemed more satisfied, and asked leave to go home to his mother. I had indeed something to tell Nell Kennedy that night, when I rode home from Maybole, and upon the head of it we two sat long in talk, and were more than ever set on riding to Auchendrain. But first we decided that the dominie and I should carry William Dalrymple to the Earl, that he might certify to him what he had already testified to us at the schoolhouse in the Kirk Vennel. But on the morrow we, that is the dominie and I, had it set to ride to Cassillis by way of Maybole. On the way we came to the little hut of the widow Dalrymple, for William was a town's bursar, and so got his learning from the session as a poor scholar. The door was shut, and a neighbor's wife cried to us that both the boy and his mother had gone on to Cassillis before us. So we rode forward. Yet we must have missed them on the way, for when we came to the castle yet there was nobody there before us, and the earl himself had ridden forth to the hawking by the waterside. Then came out to us foolish Sir Thomas Toad with his long story, which began as usual with the black vault of Dunur, and was proceeding by devious ways when his wife came round the corner, whereat right briskly he changed his tune. And as I was saying, he said, on Tuesday seven nights we had a shrewd frost that nipped the buds. It is as well for you, old dotard, cried his wife, listening a moment. I had thought ye were at your old tricks again. So we went in, and were busily partaking of the cheer of Mistress Toad, when we became aware of the noise of altercation without. Save us, said the cook. It is a mercy that neither my lord nor my lady are within gate. 
we are that narration of noise out by what can it be at a and she went out to inquire but if the disturbance was loud before it certainly became ten times worse when mistress toad disappeared i got up to look and the dominie followed me we saw a tall grey-haired woman stand upon the causeway of the courtyard with one hand on her hip and with the other tossing back the straying witch locks from her brow where's my boy mistress toad cried the newcomer fiercely to our friend the cook who stood upon the steps what hey ye doon we my laddie at the black house of cassillis he left his hame to come here by command o my lord and young launce of coulain at five this morning and jock edgar met him set on a pony between twa men on horseback and he declares that the poor lad was greeting sair what hae ye doon with him ye misleared ill-favoured toad woman that ye are weel ken ye meg dalrymple cried mistress thomas toad that i wouldna steal ony chance gotten loon o yours faith na i wadna file my purritch purtle on his back we shelter nae lazy gaberlunzi speldrons in the house of cassillis there is enough rack and ruin about the countryside as it is without gathering in every gypsy brat and prowling night-hawk to its walls gin ye come here to insult my master a belted earl i'll e'en set the dogs on ye ye gruesome ill-tongued limmer woman i saw that this was to be altogether another kind of tulsey from those clattering bickers of the sword-blades that i knew something about so i signed to the dominie to be silent for here of a surety were two foemen worthy of each other's points ye shall cast no stour in my een certes cried meg dalrymple i ken ye ye old yelled crummy toad ye hae bairns o your own and ye wad kidnap the bonny bairn o a decent woman i dare say no nae bairns o my ain quoth she cried mistress toad roused to high anger i micht hae had as many as a clocking hen gin i had gained the gate ye gaed meg dalrymple i'll hae the law on ye ye randy casting up my man's infirmity to me your man quoth she retorted meg dalrymple ca ye that auld bundle o dishclouts tied aboot wi hippens a man save us one micht as soon bed ayont a pair of auld duddy breeks ay my man cried mistress toad what hae ye to say ye shameless woman again sir thomas toad that has been earl's chaplain for forty year and my lawful wedded man for ten mistress toad rang out the titles like a herald now when her husband was gainsaid and made light of but we know that on occasions she could treat him cavalierly enough i wad as soon marry a heather cow for soup in the rink at the channel stains cried meg dalrymple and this implication bit deeper into the feelings of the lady of sir thomas toad than all the other reproaches for the brush of tonsure hair was a sore subject of jesting with her as i well knew i hae telled ye mistress toad cried pausing a moment with her hand on her side as if to keep command of herself i hae telled ye woman that we only deal with kenned and authenticate folk in this hoose no we o'er loons that nae kens wa belongs them and i would hae ye ken also that i am no to be named a liar by the likes o you meg dalrymple me that has been keeper o the larder keys o this earl's castle for fifteen year me that has had the outgiven of all plenishing the power o sitting down and on putting and never has been checked in a bottle's worth gang hame ye canaanitish woman and i doot na ye'll find your brat safe in the town's bridewell it will learn ye to bide from decent folks houses making such a cry about your wastrel runnagates keep your ill tongue for that disjasket ill put together rackle o banes that ye hae for gidmen cried the widow dalrymple weel do i ken that ye hae my bairn hidden away some gate among ye sic a trade as has been hodden with a poor bit laddie for carrying a letter to the laird o auchendrain 
and the like o you stand in my road toad woman you that as weel kenned in sax parishes for an ill-tongued gypsy i'll hae ye proclaimed at the market cross a lord's cook though ye be gin ye dinna gie me hame my bairn wi me na said mistress toad more quietly and you'll know ye'll yeen ask my pardon and gang quietly away to your hame by yoursel and what is gone to gar me to that said meg dalrymple just me and this bonny wee bit manikey here said mistress thomas toad turning round unexpectedly and catching the dominie muir by the arm she pushed him forward and clapped him in a knowing way on the shoulder just this decent snod bit manikey she said again woman said the dominie very indignantly what have i to do with your quarrels and tongue thrashings just this honest man said mistress toad ye keep the session records o the parish o maybole and if this ill-tongued woman disna gang home doucely and quietly ye're the man that is going to gie me a sicht and extract o them under date fourteenth o january fifteen hundred and aughty years the stroke told meg dalrymple grew silent the anger faded out of her face suddenly as the shining on wet sea sand when you lift your foot the warlike crook of her elbow flattened to a droop for the session records of the kirk of scotland are the nearest thing to the books of the recording angel and the opening of them is a little day of judgment to half the parish but we could not let the poor woman depart in this fashion i stepped to the door from behind the pillar where i had been listening for the ending of the fray mistress dalrymple i said very quietly your lad has never come to cassillis at all we came here to meet him he must have lost his way maister lancelot said meg dalrymple in a changed voice ye come o a good kind hoose and ye tell no lies i am free to believe you but my bairn is tinted the same what will i do oh what will i do go home and bide quiet i bade her gently i shall myself speak to the earl and fear not but we will find your lad if he be in the land End of chapter 32